I say good morning family good morning. amen god is good and all the time has the sunday school been discharged yet sunday school you are welcome to evacuate the building you can follow auntie bunnies amen give the sunday school a, a clap amen <laughs> hallelujah Amen. You know, we were singing uh, that song earlier, and I was trying to get Dwayne's attention, but I don't think he caught the message. We were saying so long, bye bye. <laughs> uh, Dwayne um, has taken up an opportunity where he'll be working um, on a ship and sailing the seven seas. <laughs> so, Dwayne, could you please come up to the front? We'd like to just honor you and uh, send you up with our prayers. Amen. This is his last Sunday, by the way. Can I call up Clinton, and Grimble, and Sarisha, and Dean as well, and Auntie Deirdre, and the rest of you can just stretch forth your hands. Do I understand you like you're going to be part of the prayer team? Eh? <laughs> okay. Dwayne, you know what? Um, there's just, there's just certain people that encourage you. And you, know, you don't need to encourage people all the time in gifts or words of kindness. Sometimes you just need to show up and be there. And Dwayne has been one of those few people that whenever he sits at the back, he's an encouragement to me. And so, um, Dwayne, I just want to say we love you, we appreciate you. We tried our best to see if we could keep you. <laughs> you know, uh, I tried to pull some strings, but the Lord knows why. Yes. Um, and during the week, I was asking, Lord, Lord, give me a word for Dwayne. And he gave me two words. And he just said, tell Dwayne, be salty. <laughs> Come on! Be salty. Okay, you are the salt and the light of the earth. You are sailing the seas, those salty seas. You be a salty Christian. Amen. Can we pray for Dwayne? And if there's anybody here that's part of the prayer team, you have something you want to share with Dwayne, please feel free. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for Dwayne. I want to thank you for bringing him through these doors. The steps of a good man are always ordered by the Lord. Yes. Lord, we don't know why, we don't know what's your plan in the grand scheme of things, but I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for bringing Dwayne into our lives. A friend of mine um, who's in the ministry was telling me, you know, in ministry you get to see people come and go all the time. And sometimes you just have to be strong as a leader and strong as, as a leadership. But you need to start thinking, and he told me, you need to start thinking of, of the church as an elevator. Yes. Mm. Some, some people get off on the first floor, some on the third floor, and some just stick along for the whole part of the ride. But as a ministry, we never, Lord, want to ever stop taking people where they need to be. Thank you for the blessing Dwayne has been to us and the praise team. I pray, Lord, 
that you cover him, protect him, provide for every need, give him a glimpse of the plan you have for his life. Let him be an instrument of change, even on that ship, oh God. I know he'll be gone for six months and coming back again for a couple. Mm -hmm. And I pray, Lord, you will just continue to stretch him and grow him in phenomenal ways. As Lord, we will even hear testimonies of revival, signs and wonders and miracles that will take place on that ship. Lord, I know there's Wi-Fi on that ship, so Lord, I expect him now and again to log on to our Thursday night devotional. <laughs> to download our sermons on Podbean. But Lord, help him, Lord, even to stay connected with fellowship on the ship. Bring friends and, and people, Lord, who will just help continue to encourage him as iron sharpens iron in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Does anybody else want to pray or share something with Dwayne? Nobody else? Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, oh Dwayne, before I forget, um, the gift from the ministry. And all I will say is do not leave that laying around. <laughs> <laughs> you catch my trip. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Keep to in the hand, family. <laughs> Amen. I know what's going on. Why is it such an emotional Sunday? So we both cry. Hey, uh, greatest giant killers were crybabies, okay? <laughs> Amen. If you will turn to me to the book of, of Acts. Family, have you all responded to my homework? Yes. Have you all been reading the book of Acts? Yes. If you have, please give me an amen. amen. I don't know why this right side always seems a bit faint. <laughs> right? I, I pray for the side of the church. <laughs> Have you downloaded the Bible app by Life Church? Have you done that? Amen. Ah, Lord. <laughs> okay. It helps, it helps all of us connect, um, follow each other's progress, encourage one another. You know what? Um, over the last two weeks, I've even managed to connect to an uncle that I've long, lost spoken to in a couple of decades on the Bible app. Uncle Frankie. He keeps on liking my posts, and I'm like, wow, Uncle Frank, how are you doing? <laughs> so I said to Zoe, next time we're in Durban, we must just make a uh, pass by Sydenham and visit some family in Durban. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. We're in the book of Acts. My wife said I should tell a few dry jokes. And um, I was wondering the other day, what kind of cell phone did Delilah use? Samson. <laughs> How long did Cain hate his brother? As long as he was able to. <laughs> and last one. What kind of person was Boaz before he got married? He was ruthless. <laughs> amen and amen. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1. And I just want to read a few verses for you. The former count I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after to the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles, 
whom he had chosen. <coughs> to whom he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them, saying, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Their minds were on the national crisis and issues they were faced with. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. That word witnesses in the Greek is where we get the, the term martyr. The Greek word is matur. You shall be my witnesses. In other words, the messenger cannot say, I'm just a message boy. The messenger must be willing to die and give account and take full responsibility for the message. That was the rule of Sparta, if you remember clearly. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Amen. God bless to us reading of his word can we pray heavenly father thank you for your presence oh how we love to be in your presence lord i was thinking lord of your servant paul and how he was faced with this dilemma and said i cannot tell which is best to, to be with the lord now or to continue in the earth and do his purposes Knowing obviously that to be with the Lord is the greatest thing. But you have need of me now. And so Lord, we love your presence. We love to be in your presence. In your presence we find joy, we find peace. We find solutions, we find wisdom. We find encouragement in our times of grief. In our times of anxiety. When life has just pressed us and crushed us on every side, Lord, we can come into your presence and drink from the wells of salvation. And so this morning, Lord, I ask that you speak to our hearts, anoint our ears, that we may hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us personally. And help us, Lord, to receive the engrafted word with meekness that is able to save our souls. In Jesus' name mighty name and everybody says amen, amen and amen <coughs> you know what the gospel is so simple that even a child can understand it 
and yet it is so profound that it will take you your whole lifetime to grasp sadly most of us never get to explore the depth of the gospel message and its realities because we never take the time and the heart and the interest to explore its depth and perhaps the greatest threat to our faith and our Christianity is the threat of familiarity a few years ago many years ago uh, as part of a fellowship and ministry and I think over for close to a decade and one I actually observed a young girl parents were part of leadership and she grew up in the church was surrounded by church folk was in church two three times a week and you know her parents were leaders in the church and I took her for granted and assumed you know she had a familiarity with the gospel and what the gospel entailed and so I had the privilege and honor to be teaching all the new believers that came to the church and lo and behold she came and sat in one of my classes and I began to explain to the class in the simplest form what the gospel was and she walked out of that class and said I have never understood the gospel in that way before reminded me of the Tiguan we had Opatili. Uh, <laughs> we drove it, I think, close to a year, two years, you see. <laughs> and I kept on looking at these buttons on the dashboard. You know, I think we saw two winters. And I never knew what these two lights on the dashboard was. And it was in the heart of winter. And I pressed that light. And all of a sudden, the seats got warm. <laughs> and I, oh, that's what those buttons do. <laughs> There's a saying that says, familiarity breeds content. And as Christians, we've got to be so on God. We hear this gospel story over and over. We've been hearing it from Sunday school. We've got to be careful that we don't develop an indifference and insensitivity to what the gospel is all about. Never allow familiarity to bring you into a place of contempt. Jesus experienced the same issue. The Bible says in Mark 6, he comes into his hometown and he's teaching in the synagogue. And while he's teaching it in the synagogue, the people are marveling at, at the depth of his, of his teachings. And then they say to themselves, but isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's boy? Yeah. We know his brothers, James and, and, and John. We, we know his brothers. His sisters are actually here with us now. And the Bible says they took offense at Jesus. And the Bible says, Jesus marveled at their, at their level of unbelief and said these words that a prophet is without honor except in his hometown. 
And so sometimes and often our greatest blessings and assets are often overlooked because we become too familiar. And so this morning, by way of reminder, I want to highlight a simple aspect of the gospel message that we've taken for granted. And so we've come to the book of Acts. And Luke, in his first few verses, states to Theophilus. Theophilus, his name meant loved by God, and it's speculated that he could have been an official because in Luke, he addresses Theophilus again, who is writing the letters to, and he addresses him as, oh, excellent Theophilus. So Theophilus could have been someone of high social status. And so he says, oh, Theophilus, concerning the former account which I made, he's making reference to the first letter he wrote, the Gospel of Luke. And so Luke tells us very explicitly that he is the author of two books. He's the author of the Gospel of Luke and he's the author of Acts. He is the only Gospel author to have a sequel to his Gospel. He wrote two volumes. His Gospel is the longest book in the New Testament, Luke. And the book of Acts is the most extensive, comprehensive and replete historical source of information concerning the early church and work of the Holy Spirit. His books make up for 40% of the New Testament. He introduces both letters in the same fashion. Authors will tell you that he uses a literary device called a literary prologue. In other words, in Luke, he tells you who his letter is addressed to, he tells you what's the subject of his letter, and he gives you a summary of his letter. In Acts, he tells you who the letter is addressed to, what's the main subject of, 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 of the book, and he tells you and gives you a summary of the book. This tells you unarguably that Luke is a well-trained, educated mind. Next to the Apostle Paul, Luke is the greatest writing force in the New Testament. And he opens up the book of Acts and he says, Concerning the former account which I made, O Theophilus, concerning what Jesus began to do and teach. What Jesus began to do and teach, implying that the work still continues, that the work has not finished that Jesus is still working Amen. and that Jesus is still teaching yes. and Jesus had to rebuke the Pharisees and scribes in his day and say that the Father works even up until now and I would like to suggest to you that Christ still works even up until now. 
what he began to do and teach. That's what this gospel is about. It's about action first. Action first. Doing first. Then we can talk afterwards. What he began to do and teach until he was taken up. How the book of Acts unfolds and how this story unfolds. It unfolds in a very geographical way. And we'll look at that a bit later. But it unfolds in the exact way that Jesus prophesied it would unfold. Because he stood before his disciples and he said, wait at Jerusalem. Because not many days from now you will be endowed with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's how the narrative unfolds. The Holy Spirit comes. Then we see these witnesses of Christ. And the gospel is proclaimed in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and then it's taken to the ends of the earth. Perhaps the most underrated and overlooked theme of the entire book of Acts is the resurrection of Jesus. When we talk about the book of Acts, we talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the signs and wonders and miracles that occur in the book of Acts and in the early church. We talk about the prayer meetings they had. We talk about the persecution that the early church faced. But one thing we overlooked is the importance and impression that the resurrection of Jesus had on the early church. Peter preaches about it in Acts chapter 2. Peter and John talk about it in Acts chapter 4 before the Sanhedrin. Paul talks about it to the Greeks. Paul talks about it in his conversion on the road of Damascus. They all make reference to this truth that Jesus Christ is alive. And Luke, in the introduction of his letter, does not hesitate to tell us that Jesus presented himself alive within fallible proof for 40 days 40 days he taught men and women post resurrection after he had died and suffered and risen again from from the on the third day he teaches his disciples for over 40 days turn with me to first corinthians chapter 15 And let's read from from verses 3. Paul writing, he says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, 
and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, and then he was seen by the twelve and after he had been seen by the twelve, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain present but some have fallen asleep and passed on. After that, he was seen by James and by all the apostles. And lastly, he was seen by me also. The resurrection of Jesus made such an impression on the disciples that it turned their lives completely around and set their ministries and their witness on fire. Yeah. What makes the resurrection something to believe in? What are the logical reasons for believing in the resurrection of Jesus? Firstly, if something had a miraculous beginning, it must have a miraculous end. Yes. And for the simple fact that the tomb of Jesus is empty. Amen. Right now you can find the body of every founder of any faith in a tomb. Yes. You can find. You can find the body of Muhammad. You can find the body of Confucius and Buddha. And of Joseph Smith. You, you can find their bodies in a tomb. But the simple truth is that the body of Jesus cannot be found in his tomb. Yes. Amen. You can even find the body of, of Jacob in Israel. Yeah. But you cannot find the body of Jesus because where he was laid is empty. Amen. The tomb is empty. Secondly, the logical reason to believe in the resurrection is because the tomb had a Roman seal on it. In other words, it had a piece of clay that marked and covered the, the stone of the tomb. And then they would press the, a Roman seal into that clay to let you know and communicate, don't touch. You break the seal, you break the law. You break the law, you end your life. Yes. And no Jew or no Roman was foolish enough to break a Roman seal. Another reason to believe in the resurrection is because the tomb was well guarded by Roman centurions. A Roman soldier could not be bribed. This is not Metro Police here yeah, or South African Police. There was no cool drink or chocho. <laughs> Let me give you an insight into the mind and mentality and stance of a Roman soldier. When Paul was on ship and the ship was sinking, the Roman soldier said to himself, I'm going to kill all these prisoners that I'm looking after. Least we all drown. <laughs> I'm going to kill them all. Then when Paul and Silas are in, you know that story where they lay in the minute hour, they're singing hymns, and, and the prison is shaken, and the, and, and the jail cells open. You know what that Roman soldier did? 
He got his sword and he was about to fall on his sword and die, kill himself. Because he'd rather kill himself than break Roman law. Or be removed from his, his post. And so for two to four gods who were at the tomb of Jesus to allow the body of Jesus to be snuck out. To be complicit was very, very unlikely. Highly unlikely. More chances of it snowing here in Gauteng. <laughs> Another factor to consider is that that stone was heavy. Scholars estimate that it was between one and two tons. For you younger folk, yeah, that's over a thousand, two thousand kgs. And if you follow me on Facebook, you'll see me try and lift 40 kgs over my neck. <laughs> it's heavy. That's probably the weight of more than half of us here. You trying to move that stone. It would have taken a team. A team to move that stone. Another proof of his resurrection is his post-resurrection appearances. He appeared to Mary at the tomb. He appeared to Peter and James. He appeared to over 500 people in one given time. Yes. Even appeared to Philip and uh, Thomas and said, you doubting feel, touch the scars, they're real. Proof of his resurrection can also be seen in the martyrdom of the church. I mean, think of it. Countless believers were willing to leave businesses, willing to leave homes and families, risk their lives. Some of them were thrown in coliseums and fed to lions. Some were dunked in boiling hot oil. Some were crucified upside down. You're telling me these, these preachers and disciples and Christians were willing to do that? without infallible proof that this man was risen from the dead. Yeah. I mean, also consider the fact that these were Jews. For centuries, they've been taught to honor the Sabbath. Yeah. They were taught to sacrifice bulls and goats. And in one moment, Christ has risen, they changed their day of worship to a Sunday, the first day when he rose. They stopped sacrificing goats and bulls. Because one sacrifice has been made once and for all. They were fully convinced and persuaded, and you would not be able to talk them out of it, that Christ was risen. Risen from the dead. More proof that Christ is risen is that the church is here. The church to date is the largest institute that has ever existed. Billions upon billions of Christians of every age stand your testament 
and witness to his resurrection. And perhaps one of the greatest proofs we have today that he is alive is the outpouring of his spirit. Because after being raised from the dead, teaching his disciples for 40 days and presenting himself alive, he gave them a promise and said, wait in Jerusalem. Because not many days from now the Spirit is going to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power and you're going to become my witnesses. And initially, the apostles and the disciples were, were concerned about the national issues they were faced with. Rome is, is the seat of power. When are we going to gain our, our independence? When is, is Israel going to be Israel again? When are we going to have a king rule over us who sits on the seat of David? And Jesus said to them, don't worry about the times and the seasons which the Father has committed in his own authority. But wait you in Jerusalem, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will become my witnesses to the ends of the earth. He moved their focus from an earthly kingdom into a spiritual kingdom. And I guess we should get that message too. You just pop open the newspaper, change the channel to the news, and it's so easy to get discouraged with what's going on in the country. Well, as Dean said the other day, just pull up to the gas tank, petrol station. <laughs> but don't forget there is a bigger kingdom. Don't forget there is a higher purpose as to why you are here. And so some many, many sermons ago, I shared the story of a Norwegian explorer. His name was uh, Raoul Amundsen. And this Norwegian explorer, uh, they speculate or suggest that he found the magnetic uh, South Pole and North Pole, the meridian. And whenever he would go on a long voyage, he would go for months and his family wouldn't see him. His wife wouldn't know whether he's dead or alive. But whenever he'd go, he'd have these homing pigeons. And when he'd get to his destination, he would open the cage and let the homing pigeon go. And so on this one voyage, he was gone almost for the entire year. And when he gets to his destination, his wife not knowing whether he's alive or dead, he opens up the cage and he lets the homing pigeon go. Can you imagine what it was like for his wife when she'd open up the kitchen window and she'd see that bird circling in the sky? She would undoubtedly exclaim, he is alive. He's alive. What's the proof we have today that Christ is risen? The heavenly dove. The Holy Spirit. Every time you worship, you feel and sense His presence. You know when you're at home and you're on your knees and you're calling on the name of Jesus and you sense His presence where the Holy Spirit whispers something to your heart and says, bless so and so. 
or pray for so and so and they come back and they say but uncle johnny how did you know you said it was the holy ghost it's the greatest witness we have to the fact that he is risen the power and presence of the holy spirit so the bible says in acts chapter 4 and verse 33 with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of jesus and great grace fell upon them peter told about his resurrection on the day of pentecost peter and john before the sanhedrin stephen before he, he was stoned he looked up and saw a vision of the resurrected savior paul on the road to damascus had a vision of the re resurrected savior james before the council of jerusalem speaks and preaches about the resurrection of jesus paul at thessalonica before the greeks tells them about this resurrected savior why should we believe in his resurrection because his resurrection validated who he was and who he claimed to be Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that the Son of God was declared with power to be God's Son by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus prophesied and said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise, raise it up. If he remained in the grave, all that he claimed to be would have been a lie. His resurrection confirmed the truth of scripture. His resurrection was prophesied in Isaiah 53, was prophesied in Psalm 16 that his body will not see corruption. Even Job exclaimed in chapter 19 verse 25, I know my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. Yes. Our salvation depended and depends on his resurrection. His resurrection tells us that he lived a holy and pure life. Because death finds entrance through sin. Romans 5. That one man sinned, and because of one man sinned, death entered the world. And so death could not hold him down in the grave because death had no legal right to hold him because he who knew no sin became sin. He was a sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And so death could not legally hold him down. Why is the resurrection of Jesus important? Because we are justified by his resurrection. Romans 4 verse 25. To be justified means to be made right with God. You cannot be saved without believing in the resurrection of Jesus. Yes. Romans 10 tells us that as with the mouth one confesses the Lord Jesus Christ. And with the heart we believe that God has raised Christ from the dead. And we are saved. And so we see 
the apostles, we see the church so impressed on their hearts by a man coming out from the grave and teaching them for 40 days, so marked on their hearts that they become these unstoppable Christians. Who is going to persuade you otherwise that you saw a ghost? That you made up this lie? The resurrection of Jesus had such an impact on their lives that they turned the world upside down. And we saw the Holy Spirit come. And we saw them move and operate in signs, wonders and miracles. And we saw them take the gospel to to Jerusalem and we see them take the gospel to Judea and Sumeria and to the ends of the earth. Paul's ministry alone took the gospel to over 50 cities. Iconium, Malta, Spain, Damascus. He took the message everywhere he could because he was marked by a resurrected Savior. And because the gospel was not designed to be static. The gospel message was designed to spread. Mark 16, go and tell and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Jesus commanded them in Matthew chapter 28. He says, go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations. The gospel must be shared. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, he says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. And says, for as much that is within me, I am ready to preach the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to all those who believe first the Jew, then the Gentile. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith for it is written the just shall live by faith unashamed that he's resurrected unashamed that he died for my sins unashamed of this gospel message if you are ashamed of this message you are ashamed to the message as a Christian Paul said, I am unashamed. And Romans chapter 10 tells us, like I quoted earlier, that with the mouth one confesses the Lord Jesus Christ. And with the heart one believes that God has raised him up from the dead. And how shall they call on him whom they've not believed? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how shall they call on him 
whom they have not believed in and how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach if they not sent for it is written blessed are the feet of those who come to bring the gospel of peace and glad tidings but Isaiah said who shall believe the report of the Lord and so listen that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God I am convinced I'm thoroughly convinced we are not seeing a display of God's power because we are not seeing the preaching of his gospel We are not seeing a demonstration of his gospel. His word is confirmed with signs and wonders. I'm convinced that we, we don't see signs and wonders as often as we should because we don't live from the place that he's alive. It's all just historical data for us. Yes, Jesus died. Yes, he rose again. But is he alive in your life? Yes. Is he present? Is he alive in your hearts? Do you talk to him? Do you talk and converse with the resurrected Savior? Do you know when he steps and manifests into a place? Is his presence as real to you as it is to the person sitting next to you? We don't live from this standpoint. We don't live from this vantage point. I've told the story of a man who plays golf, and whenever he plays golf, he cusses and he swears. And everybody knows this man that when he swings his club and he misses his hole, he's, he's full of vulgarities. But one day, he's not swearing anymore. And someone comes up to him and says, Hey, what's changed? Where's the vulgar? He says, today I'm playing with my pastor. <laughs> you know, and it's, a, it's, it's the same, same idea we have of church. You know, we are so religious people. Yeah. You'll come up, you'll walk through those doors and you won't light a cigarette. And you won't pour yourself a shot of brandy in these doors, in, in this space, because... Oh, it's the house of the Lord. No, no, no. This is not the house. This is a building. Yes. Yes. This is the house of the Lord. Yes. That's why if, you, if you're going to, if you're going to not drink and you're going to not drink in front of me and you're going to drink everywhere, you might as well just drink in front of me. <laughs> it makes no difference. It's all the same. This is his temple. This is what he came for. And comfort. Stuff is going to be burnt up anyway. <laughs> One day. We've got to start living and preaching this gospel from a place where we know that he's real and he's alive. Yes, amen. This is not a storybook. This is our reality. Yes. And that's my, my encouragement to you. What distinguished the early church? And the reason why I said let's get into the book of Acts and let's read through Acts is because when you read through Acts, you realize that this, this was the church. This, this was church. Man, they, they got shambled. 
They got beaten, they got thrown to lions, you know. They didn't deny Christ, they were willing to go through anything to serve him, anything to make him known. Christ's mission was their life's purpose. Our purpose is to buy a brand new car, get a house. But until our life's purpose becomes his mission, we will not witness the power, the authority, and the purpose of God in our life. If your and I'm gonna say, if your life dream is to get married and have kids, all fair and well. But you're stopping short. There's a bigger purpose to your existence. You fit your story must fit into his story. Bottom line. History is his story. It's about him. It's always ever been about him. It's never been just about us. It's about what he's done to reach you. And so, Dwayne, when you get on that ship, you're not going as an employee of I know whatever company <laughs> it is, but you go as a missionary. Because wherever you are, you are a missionary. First a missionary, then an employee. Puts a high pressure on you to behave right and talk right and walk right. When you know that you're there first as an evangelist, when you're there first as a child of God, when you're there to represent Him, jobs come and go, houses come and go, Hey, don't tell me about houses. Oh, this week, the plumbing, the pipe burst, the gate motor packed up. <laughs> these things come and go. And you pursue these things and they will give you the greatest pain. I joke about it to the team. I say, ah, honestly, I'm convinced renting is the best option. <laughs> you know? But if you're going to pursue it, make sure it's good enough to be your God. Yeah. Come on. Make sure it can heal you when you're sick. Make sure it can save you when you die. Come on. Let your life's mission and purpose be his mission. Preaching the gospel. Preach it to your home, preach it to your kids. Let them know that he's alive. When you take those long drives and your and your your wife's worried about where where is Grimville? Where is Uncle John? Where is Chad? <laughs> you have the utmost assurance that they are with the Savior. And you know that wherever you go, whatever environment you find yourself in, he's with you. He's with you. Like the guy who was playing golf. He is with you. We're not, we're not making this thing up <laughs> as we're going along. Not even a team of a hundred scholars could put this book together. Over 2,000 years of material put together, three continents, three different languages. They all speak about one thing. The chances of that, that happening are zero. Zero. 1,800 prophecies fulfilled to the T. Not one of them fell to the ground. And so when the Bible says he's coming back again, you best believe he will. Yes. Oh, oh, he will. 
the scoffers were even prophesied of that they will say how long until this messiah comes and peter said god is long suffering and patient and not willing that any should perish but that all should come to the saving knowledge of jesus christ that's why he didn't pitch up yet he's saying let more come in before the door shut before the ark door shuts let more come in that's why he's long suffering so assess this morning what you're living for if we got our agenda right we could turn Johannesburg upside down and God put me here not to have a ministry that's a, that's a trivial pursuit God brought you here not to come on a, and mark the attendance register and, and come for some spiritual upliftment <laughs> God didn't bring you here so you can get good advice no God brought you here to be reminded change your life's purpose there's a higher purpose it's my dream let me tell you my dream here my dream is not to be a preacher for the next 20 years my dream is to travel and take the gospel to the North Koreas to the Pakistans to the Afghanistans to where the gospel has not been preached and so what what we're doing here is fine for now but God brought me here to, to raise up a generation and tell them come up higher come up higher those of you say oh I can't sing I'm not a preacher you will preach <laughs> you will sing you will even spiritual dance scramble <laughs> We lay aside our interests, family. We lay aside our gender. This thing is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. I'm telling you, this is about taking the gospel of salvation and making disciples of nations. This is not about doing church. Okay. We come, we sing the songs. We sing the nice songs. We run the programs. But all for the purpose of consolidating a team this is not a cruise ship no why we took my ships today but this is not a cruise ship this is a battleship yes. we don't worry who gets a, you know who who has has issues with this purpose but our purpose our purpose is bigger than just doing church okay and so what if we don't have our lives all together we don't have that job we don't have that car you know we don't have that wife or husband tall dark and handsome so what we push on we push on amen i'm going to talk forever if i don't quit now but can we stand <laughs> can we stand the church at Jerusalem faced a lot of persecution 
because when you share the gospel you solicit a mixed response bottom line don't share the gospel and always expect a smile and a good response there will be backlash there will be people who respond with apathy and indifference and say Ugh, doesn't make a difference to me some will reply and not be interested some will retaliate but our mission is to preach the gospel we are not responsible for the change and conversion we are responsible for the contact you preach the gospel you preach it in your home you preach when you leave here you preach at your work you live it you experience the gospel and I want you to walk out here knowing this morning I didn't want this to be another sermon I just want you to walk out here knowing that he's with you he's with you in your trials he's with you in your temptations he's carrying you through your difficulties he's with you on your life's journey you know I was thinking about um, Auntie Deirdre's testimony earlier and Probably the reason why I was crying and sobbing like a baby. <laughs> you know, the presence of God was, was here, but there was a time in my life where I was homeless. And and somehow I had days to find a venue, a place to stay. And somehow the hostel came up school hostel and I remember walking down that passage no family just friends it's a long passage at steel gates and I had those steel gates banged behind me and I've never felt so alone in my life And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, shucks, I complain about these kids. <laughs> but there's so many of them, you know. <laughs> they fill our house with so much joy and stress. <laughs> you know, hey, you have no idea how rough it gets <laughs> in the alien home. But I'm looking back and I'm saying, yes, God, it's only you. Yeah. Only you. And I never knew how many years it would take, you know, or how God would do it. But here you are today. You can do the same and look back and say, remember the time when they repossessed our furniture? But that time I was on that ICU bed where I thought my marriage wouldn't make it. But here I am today. But for the grace of God. Amen. 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 I'm sorry for being such a crybaby this morning. <laughs> but God has been good. Amen. Amen. Can we pray? Yes. Heavenly Father.